Okay, so we are starting now, Peg Beis Beis Hashem, just to give you a little bit of an idea what's going on. Uh, yesterday we started and we talked about the union of who was Eli Melech and um, exactly what happened to Naomi with her two sons, which eventually they died and her husband died, and not in that sequence. And then uh, she was left with her two daughter-in-laws. She wanted to go back to Eretz Yisrael because that's where she came from, and she had uh, she and her husband and her two sons had left Eretz Yisrael at a time of famine, a time of uh, terrible calamity. They had left, which was a terrible thing, and they were punished for that. That was pretty much what we said yesterday. Was Eli Melech's only avera that he did was leaving Eretz Yisrael and his flock at the time of need, and uh, now Naomi wanted to do tshuva. She had nothing, basically nothing left. All her riches was gone. And she wanted to now go back to Eretzron. She started to make the way back with her two daughter-in-laws. And uh, at that point, her two daughter-in-laws were coming with her. And she wanted to basically tell, send them back because they wouldn't get married. She wanted them to build a lifestyle. There's no reason that people would marry them anyway. Being they came from Moyav, people didn't know the halacha that you were allowed. And therefore she basically tried to persuade them. And we left off saying that Arpah said, yes, no problem. She cried for tears and she got a tremendous reward for that. But Rus said, no way, my dear mother-in-law, I'm sticking with you all the way, and there's no question, there's nothing you're going to do to persuade me. Not the way, she was a true balas truva, she wanted to be medabek to the Rabbani Shalom, and Nomi saw that, recognized that, and allowed to con- con- continue, and as we mentioned at the end, they entered into Eretz Yisrael when it was the day and the time that uh, Boyaz, who we're going to explain right now, uh, was basically sitting shiva, Leviah for his wife, uh, all the chasana, different mafoshim say different things. People were very busy. People mentioned and noticed that Nomi was there. And like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she, here she is. And she's, you know, she used to be what she used to be. And now she's basically walking around without shoes, with rags on, and basically no possessions left, which was terrible. So we start Perik base, and I'm not going to go through all the psukim, because I just feel it's more important for us to go outside on the surface level of what's going on. But just to give us an idea of what's happening. Ola Naomi Meida, Moida. So here we are, we are introduced to Boyaz. The Megillah over here is introducing, introducing us Boyaz. It's interesting, Boyaz actually comes from, and Rashi also brings it down as well, comes from Alona Oz, strength. He was a very strong man. But Boyaz was actually the god Lador. Boaz was one of the Gedolim who was leading the generation, probably the greatest god Lador that he had at that, at that time. <coughs> he was an extremely generous person, extremely nice person, and he was a massive Talmud Chacham, and he was very, very wealthy. So he had, you know, even though as you mentioned, he had everything. Boaz, as what the, the Megillah just told us, was actually related to Nomi on both sides. Boaz was the nephew of Elimelech. In other words, his Boaz's father and Elimelech were actually brothers. Um, not only that, Nomi was also a cousin of Boaz. Her father and Boaz's father were brothers as well. So they were basically connected from both sides. And not only that, Nomi's husband, Elimelech, had a very good relationship with Boaz as well. They were both Gedolim and the Mahanahiga Adar at that time in Eretz Yisrael. Now, it's interesting, Boaz would not normally be around... But because of the situation, he went out, and that was all Hashkocha protest of how the Megillah is telling us what happened, of how the Hashkocha made it that the Rabbani Shem uh, decreed that boys would come out at this time. Now, the truth of the matter is, it, Normie knew that she had a close relative who was a very rich man and was very able to help her and give her food, and he for sure would have done so. 
but Naomi said no way, and her daughter-in-law Russ said the same thing. We are not taking out handouts. We are going to rely on the Rabboni Shalom. We're going to put our faith in the Rabboni Shalom. The Amunah Betochen that they had was incredible. Because again, they had Boaz, who was the god Lado, who was her cousin on both sides. There's no question he would have helped her out, given her a bit of food, money, place to stay, something. But she decided, and Russ agreed with her, no way. We're not going to do anything whatsoever. And you have to understand as well, just to get the background, Rus was a princess. She was a daughter of Melech Eglon. She was she brought up in royalty, in the palace, in the castle. She knew what royalty was. But yet, she wasn't willing to take a handout. She would rather go and beg for her own food and rely on the Rabboni Shalom because she was that close to the Rabboni Shalom, which was tremendous. So basically, this is how the story went. And again, it's the Megillah tells us what's going on over here. And again, the Megillah sort of bekitsa and posuk base for Tomei Rus Hamayuva El Nomi Sode. So basically, what went on over here is the Medrash tells us is that Rus woke up on the first morning. This was the very first morning in Eretz roll. and um, Rus wakes up and she sees her mother and Nomi all dressed and ready to go out. And she says, "Mother, where are you going? What are you doing? Where? What's happening?" So Nomi says, "Listen here, I've got to support us. <laughs> I've got to make. I've got to bring in a parnasa. What are you going to eat for breakfast? It's starving, right? There's nothing for us to eat, and we have to go out." And, uh, and she starts explaining to her how the Torah says that a poor person is allowed to collect certain things in the field, that the people, the owners of the field would leave, all these things, and therefore I'm absolutely allowed to go out and I'm going now to collect food. So um, Rus got up and she said, my dear mother, her mother-in-law, absolutely not, no, under no circumstances are you Normi, who was the wife of Elimelech, the god Lador, the richest man, the powerful man, the leader Ador, you are not going out to mavaza yourself, to embarrass yourself, and picking up some, some stalks of, you know, of, of wheat and bringing it home. Absolutely not. I'm not going to allow such a humiliation to happen, and therefore I am going to do this. Right? Even though, again, Rus was a princess. She wasn't never used to that. She would never agree to that. But not to allow her mother-in-law. She said, absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to allow you to do that. But I want you to give me permission. And that was very important because Rus was not uh, allowing herself to go unless she got permission from her mother-in-law, Normie, in order to do this. It was not easy for her mother-in-law to agree. But she begged and begged, and eventually she said, "Yes, you can go." And that's what it is. What it, what, what's what the posik tells us over here is happening. Um, so she told her to go. Now, um, very interesting. So, in other words, she wanted to know where she can go and collect food from. So before she went out. She sort of assessed the situation because they had to travel in groups and she wanted to make sure that she would be in a group of normal, decent, upstanding people, not with, you know, low-life people, people that she should be with because obviously she didn't want to attract any more attention. She was a very beautiful woman. So she made sure that the group that she walked with was a very, very respectable group of, you know, normal people. And then she went and um, she was basically put her hands in the Rabboni Shalom. She said, Rabboni Shalom, I have no idea where I'm going, no idea what I'm doing. I'm leaving it to you. And uh, she was just confident that the Rabbanishim would basically provide for all of her needs. That's what happened. In fact, the Megillah tells us, the Malbim says it over here, she didn't have to go very far. Right outside the city gates, immediately right there, she saw a field which 
eventually she found out belonged to Boyaz, the god Hador, who owned a tremendous amount of field. And in fact, what's interesting, the Medrash Lekech Toy brings down that the Rabbanishram specifically sent her to Boyaz's field because eventually, as we're going to say, she married Boyaz and she, Rabbanishram didn't want Rus to always have these memories of picking wheat in some, some stranger's field. Rather, let her remember picking in her own field that she actually eventually owned. And that's why the Ashkocha Protesh says the Malbim, and there's a lot going on over here, we can't even get to everything, that the Rabbani Shalom, in fact there was a Malach, that uh, says the Medrash, that, that guided her, Dafka, to that field, that she shouldn't be embarrassed over there. And this was the Rabbani Shalom planting the seeds for Malchus based David to guide her to a field that eventually belonged to her. And she started to gather um, some of the wheat that she could. Uh, generally, what people did was they, the people, the, the poor people, would stand right next to the people who were cutting, stand right behind them, and as soon as they dropped something, would chop it. It's like a scramble to get as much as they can. She was a very tsunua woman. She was a very beautiful woman, but she was a very holy woman. And therefore, she said, absolutely not. I'm going to be standing very far away from these cutters. I don't want to attract any unnecessary at- uh, attention. And she didn't want to definitely get close to any men whatsoever. Uh, while, and this is a famous one, while the other people, uh, would, in order to crouch down into the field, would lift up their skirts in order to go down. She didn't compromise anything whatsoever. And she didn't, as Chazal actually tell us, the Medrash, she never even revealed a finger. Not one finger was even revealed, which was very hard for her. But she wanted to make sure she didn't attract any attention. And she made sure when she when she bent down to do it in a way that her garments would actually cover herself as she bent down to make sure. Obviously, as the Medrash tells us in Rus Rabbah, there was no conversation. She never schmoozed with any of the guys there, which was unlike the other people that were schmoozing conversations with all the other people over there. She did not do that. Um, she, she, you know, she did it in a very, very, in a way that was basically our pialocha. She only took one or two, which is the halacha. She didn't take three. She, mamash kept to the halachas of, of, of collecting, unlike all the other cutters didn't do that. Now, interesting. You have to understand. Just, just take it in for a moment. Boyaz is the god Hadar. Right, Rebchankinevsky, if theoretically he owned some fields or some property in Bnebarak, is not going to check on the property. It's just not happening. Boyaz was the Godel Hador, remember the man he got with the generation. And here he is in the field checking on all the workers. Never happened before. Mamish the Hashkocha Protis of Boyaz walking in at this time when Rus is there is something that never happened before. But the Rabbi Nishlonim is again planting the seeds to something that happened. Now, the reason, the nature, natural reason, I guess you could say, why he was doing this was because um, his wife, you know, he just finished Shiva and he wanted to oversee what was going on over there because he hadn't been to see it for a while. But obviously, it's Ashkocha protest that was leaving, that was leading him in into over there. And in fact, what's interesting, which most people don't even know, right? What happened? Do you know that this is the Makar? This is the Makar, right here in Rus, of how we are allowed to say Shalom, we're allowed to say Hashem's name by greeting someone. The Makar is right here in Rus. People didn't know it beforehand. This is the Makar Bayas taught us that you're allowed to actually mention the Rabbani Shalom's name. The Gemara Brochus talks about this in Allah from Allah that goes through uh, that in you. Now, after um, exchanging, you know, they, were, they, were, they greeted each other, whatever it is, he noticed this woman that was extremely tsanua. Not only tsanua, he was, she was doing things in the way that was very interesting. The way she collected everything, the way she did it patiently, she stood away from everyone else. She did so many things over there 
that were very unusual. And he wanted to find out who is this girl. And he turned to his, <coughs> his deputy, his chief in command, and he said, can you tell me something? Who is this woman? Whose daughter is she? Is she married or not? Right? So the, the, the Mephoshim explained that he couldn't ask her directly because then everyone would say, like, oh, I guess you're interested in her. He couldn't do that. It wasn't right. It was the God Lador. Who is this woman in the field? So he asked um, uh, his chief in command to find out a little bit about this woman, what is going on. Now, there's a major machlokas in the Mephoshim, what the response was. Some say that they, people were very worried that, oh my gosh, Boaz wants to marry her. Boaz the God Lador could not marry this simple girl. No way. So they told him a very bad report. They said that, no, she's terrible and she does all sorts of things. Some said very nice things. They spoke beautiful things about her. They praised her. They said all nice things. And it goes backwards and forwards within the different Mephoshim explaining exactly did they say it or did they not say it in a nice way or not. But, whatever it was, Boyaz saw something very special about this woman. And his opinion of this woman did not change just because some people gave a bad report about her. Right? It doesn't make a difference. And not only that, according to the one that held that she was disgraced, Bios was amazed that here's this woman getting totally disgraced in front of her and not saying a word. She must be a very, very uh, a woman. And uh, basically what happened was he motioned to her and he said that you should remain here. And he started telling her various things. Don't go by the cutters. Keep a distance. Make sure no one, you know, uh, is from doing something that's not sneers. Don't be scared. Don't worry. I've told everyone to look after you to make sure that you're not harmed, whatever it is. And he said, my dear Rus, you've joined the nation and you've accepted, you know, Kabbalah Torah Mitzvahs. And he started to give instructions how to do certain things. And he started to give her Basically, he was planning out her life of spirituality that would elevate Rus to a totally different level. Now, Rus, hearing this from the God Hadar, was chuffed, obviously. Um, and at the same time, she fell on her face and she says, no, 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 you know, uh, you don't obviously know who I am and I'm just a simple person. Why are you even talking to me? And Bayas said, no, don't worry. I know who you are and you're absolutely amazing and whatever it is. And she and she actually did cry because she was worried that maybe someone was from doing something immodest, which is what some people were saying about her. And she was like, I, I was to be trying to be so careful, especially stayed far away. How come people are to do something immodest? She started crying, whatever it was. And Bayas said, no, don't worry. Don't listen to those people. There's nothing to be worried about whatsoever. It's absolutely fine. But she did cover her face because she w- did bother her that the God Lador was seeing her crying in that time. And Boaz actually gave her a bracha. Boaz gave her a bracha and he said that even though a gyores, a convert, has difficult times, and sometimes times are really, 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 really tough, but Be'ezah Hashem, I'm giving you a bracha that the Rabboni Shalom should be with you at all times, and you should be zoicha to have Hashem with you in this world and in the next world, and don't worry, in this world you'll be paid back for all of the chesed that you did for your mother or Normie, by staying with her, you'll be rewarded in this world and the next world, far greater than you can imagine. Obviously, he's giving Arem as a hint to the offspring that Rus will have. And when she heard these words, she thanked him so much. It was an unbelievable. And after Boaz basically gave her this bracha, he sent a messenger to invite her to come and eat because she should have something to eat. Um, and again, they saw the tremendous thing that she didn't want to join all the rest of the people that were gathering and all the cutters over there. She wanted to sit by herself. So once again, Boyaz saw what a tremendous way, how uh, sneers that she was. She was very careful not to mingle or do anything in that way. Now, um, what, what happened was... Um, 
So basically what happened was he, he told her to come back and then eat some of the bread and dip it into vinegar, whatever it was. Basically there's uh, there's some hints into what the Mephoshim explaining what's going on behind the scenes in the in the actual Megillah is that when Boyaz told Rus to come back, what he's basically referring to is that she should come back and give birth to um, Malchus Beistovit, which is obviously what happens afterwards. Now, once Rus left... So what happened was Boaz turned to all of his people and he said, listen, I want you to make sure that you allow this woman to gather whatever she wants to gather. Whatever she wants, let her take. Don't say anything to her. She's allowed to take anything. Be careful how you treat her. She's a princess. That's what, that's what he told her. And all the cutters over there basically were very careful to listen to whatever Boaz told them to do. They specifically left a lot of bundles in the field to allow her to take more than she could regularly or anyone else could regularly take because Boaz had given her a little bit of protection over there. She came back at the end of the day. She came back to her mother-in-law, who was obviously waiting hungrily to see what her daughter-in-law has picked up from the field. She wasn't expecting that much, because you have to understand, a lot of people were still poor. You know, the business wasn't so great. People were, you know, gathering lots of things. And therefore, she understood, you know, she was a stranger. What did she know about the ropes of how to collect grain? So she wasn't expecting too much. She saw her comes back. She sees a tremendous amount of food. She's like, where did you get all this from? It's, It's not possible that you gathered all of these things. What's going on? So it's actually very, very interesting. There's another thing as well, which uh, I have to mention to you, and that is like this. Um, where is this? Oh, that's right. Um, he gave, Boyaz gave her what to eat, right? He gave her actually a small amount of barley, and as Chazal tell us, he gave a small amount of barley which he was able to hold in two fingers, and she ate it, and she was very full, and she had leftovers. Now, what happens is, uh, she just comes back to her mother-in-law, she shows what she has, and she says, I want to show you, there was a man in the field, and he let me take whatever I wanted, and not only that, he even helped me, and invited me to come and eat, and he even let me stay with all the cutters, and he says, who was this? And she found out that this was Bayaz. And Nomi knew that this Boyaz was obviously her relative. And she says to her, you should know that Boyaz is our relative. It's someone that it's someone that's related to us. Uh, and, that is, and that is very, very important. And in fact, um, what's interesting to note, if I find it now, um, if I find it now in the Psukim, um, I'm not sure if I will. There was something very, very important. He gave her the four grains. And the four grains that he gave her actually um, helped for the future. Okay, I can't find it at this exact moment of time. Um, but okay, fine. That is that. Um, okay, so um, basically... That's what happened. Then Anomi gives her daughter-in-law a tremendous bracha for thanking, thanking her and thanking the Rabbanu Shlomo, giving her a tremendous bracha for everything that she has. Now, 
We're holding now pretty much, right? This is, we're holding by Peric Gimel, right? This is pretty much where we're holding right now. Again, it's amazing that you, the, what I've discussed so far was pretty much Peric Base. You go through Peric Base. Like, what? All of that happened right then again is spanned over 10 years. Basically, what's going on is uh, Rus's mother-in-law, Normie, is now going to be introducing the idea of making the shidduch between her daughter and Rus, who was a goy, basically, who did you know, obviously convert her, she was a goyves, to the godl hador, which is an incredible shidduch to, you know, whenever, you know, when it just teaches us in our own lives, you know, someone suggests you a shidduch, you're like, what? Are you crazy? Me? Like, no shaykhs. Nothing could have been further than Rus and Bayez. The Godel Adar with the Giyoyes. Makes no sense. But upon him, it was suggested, and Normie knew that this was the truth, and this is what would have happened. And we have to understand as well, before we mention this story, you know, we don't understand all the all what happened over there. It makes no sense to us, and we, it's it also a little bit beyond our comprehension. Uh, beyond our comprehension, but because it's in the Torah, because Chazal tell it to us, we have to understand that. We have to say it according to their Madriga, right? We don't understand these things. We can't look at it in our eyes, twenty twenty Tovshin Pei eyes, because it doesn't work. We have to understand it from their eyes. Now there were three months that Normie decided she's not going to say anything to Rus about the subject of getting married because she figured that boys understood what's going on and. Therefore, boys wants to get married. She'll cu- he'll come in and suggest the Siddiq himself. Only after the season of harvesting finished and Bayez never came, Normie decided, you know what, I have to do something, right? If Bayez isn't coming here, you're going to go to him. And um, that was one reason. And there's another reason she waited three months, is she wanted to prove that Rus was a real Gioyres and everything she learned she internalized and she kept. And therefore, because of that, she waited three months to see if she was really uh, very very serious about her conversion which she did three months later she still was she realized she was really truth about it so basically Normie turns to her daughter and she said listen here I want to suggest to you a shidduch it's a great shidduch right I know you know Bayaz because you've come to go and collect in the field and you know who he is and he's the tzaddik ador and the god ador and I would like to suggest the shidduch um, even though he's a massive Tamil Chocham, he's the Manigador, he's a wealthy, wealthy person. I guarantee you, if you marry him, you will have Sholem in this world, in the next world, you'll have absolutely no problem whatsoever. You have to remember, by the way, Boyaz at that time was not a young fellow. He was 80 years old, right? He didn't even live that long afterwards. He was an 80 year old man. Incredible, and 80 years old, and you're much younger than him, and, and most people would be insulted. Like, well, you're chutzpah, an 80 year old man, like, come on. But you're Tzadikas, you're the mother of future kings, and you are suited together with Boyaz, no question whatsoever. Ah, you'll tell me, why would Boyaz want to marry me? Right? It's true. A few months ago, if this would have been suggested, no chance. But since he saw who you are, and he saw everything about you, there's no question he's definitely going to agree. So basically, she told him, and again, we're looking at this from our eyes. Normie says to Rus, this is what you need to do. Tonight, Boyaz is going to go into the threshing field. He's going to thresh the grain. It's generally done at night by the moon. And there's um, the winds are out in order to do Zoira in the Gemara in Shabbos Ayin Gimel, which is to, you know, take a pitchfork and put up the, uh, the grain in order to let everything go. Yeah, the wind there. That was the time to do it. So she said, after Boyaz is finished, he's probably not going to go home because he has to go and guard the, um, the grains that he gathered and that he threshed from Ganovim. So he's going to do that, and also because he's a big Tamil Chachman, the Tamil Chachman doesn't walk at night, the Gemara Kedushin, and therefore he's going to stay in that place. So he's going to stay in the barn. That's where he's going to be. What you have to do is take advantage of that night, 
and don't worry, he's going to thank the Rabbani Shalom, he's going to get very, very thankful to Hashem, and he's also going to miss his wife, he's also going to want to get married. So, under darkness, you're going to put on your Shabbos clothing, you're going to wash yourself, you're going to put anointment on, perfume, whatever it was, you're going to go down to the threshing field, and you're going to go and wait until Boyaz finishes eating, and goes to sleep. Make sure you know which bed is Boyaz's bed. Make sure there's no switching going on with any of the other guys that are over there. It's got to be Boyaz's bed. Okay? Um, wait till he finishes his meal. Wait till he goes benches. He learns a bit. And then he's going to go to sleep. Make sure, right before he goes to sleep, you know which bed he's taken. Once he's sleeping, get up. Stand by the foot of his bed and wait there. More than that, she said, I can't tell you because I don't know what's going to happen. Right, so you can imagine, it's a little bit of an embarrassing situation, but that's what happens. She said, don't worry, Russ, you've got unbelievable schoyos, it will be incredible, everything will work out for the best, just do as I say, and follow all the steps. And that's exactly what happened. She went down, she put a Shabbos going, she, saw, she looked at Boyas, she saw him finishing off his meal, he went to learn a bit, and then he finally went to sleep, and she watched which bed it was. After some time, she waited till he fell asleep, she got up, and... Um, um, you have to remember as well, it was very unusual for Boyas to do this. He was the god Lador, like what are you, drinking and eating and falling asleep isn't it something that a god Lador normally does. But again, Ashkocha protest that night, he does it. And the Rabbani Shalom made that Boyas ate a lot, went to sleep earlier than normal, sleep deeply in order to, for us to do what she did. She waited for the moment to arrive. She got up very quietly, very slowly, obviously with a lot of sneers. She covered her face. She didn't want to be recognized. And she sat down waiting by the foot of his bed, not doing anything. Boyas was sleeping, didn't realize. Um, he woke up at midnight which was his minute to wake up at Chatzos for obviously to learn Torah and he was very frightened because he saw a woman standing right by his bed made no sense he was very very like very nervous he thought maybe it was a shindala the shade or something and he said if you're a shindala get out of here and she said no 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 don't worry I'm a human being and I want to become part of your family and Boyas calmed down and said are you married or you're not married she says no I'm not married he says, are you Tohor or are you Tomei? She says, I'm Tohor. You can imagine Chazal tell us over here, in the Gemara, in the Sanhedrin, you tell someone base, that this Nisoyen, that Boaz was faced with right now, was a similar Nisoyen to Yosef at Tzadik was faced in Mitzrayim with Aishas Potiphar. Here there's a girl who's not married, who's pure in front of, in front of him. No one's there, it's night time. But yet... He always knew, he always promised himself he's not going to touch any woman unless he marries her. And he found out who she was, he found out the situation, and he said, I want to do, um, I want to, you know, do everything in the Torah, I want to get married, and everything should be properly. So basically, Boaz comes along and says, listen, I'm, I'm terribly sorry to disappoint you, but there's a mitzvah of Yibam over here, but however, I can't do it because there is a closer re- relative. There is someone called Toiv, and Toiv is a closer relative to me, uh, to you than me, and therefore... Even though he's allowed to marry another wife, because he's married already, he probably won't want to, but he, at the end of the day, uh, probably won't want to marry you also because you come from Moab, but I have to ask him first, because he's a closer relative, and I know you didn't have any children, the mitzvah of Yibam is a wonderful mitzvah, I'd love to do it, but he comes first, and therefore, if I ask him, and he says no, then I'll do it. So you can imagine that night, for the rest of the night, Boyas couldn't sleep, Normi couldn't sleep, nobody could sleep, because everyone didn't know what was going on. The next morning, Boyas goes to the Sanhedrin, he was the Roshan of Sanhedrin, he went there, and he started talking to uh, he started talking to uh, to Toiv. Um, very very interesting. Now, this is actually what I was meant to actually. I'm sorry, I got mixed up. This is the grains that I was referring to before he went. Boyaz gave uh, Rus 
a present. And that present was, according to some opinions, was six grains. What were these six grains? These were six tzaddikim and six brochas that would be born from her. One was David HaMelech, Chizkiyo, Yeshio, Hananya, Mishal, and Azariah. Daniel and Melech Moshiach. Can you imagine that? These are the six uh, brochas that she had, which were in, 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 incredible. Were absolutely incredible. Okay, sometimes it's even more of them. It comes out to be more because there's the brochas that come out, whatever it was. He went out, he went to the Bastin, and he went out to uh, find out from Toiv whether or not he wanted to marry her. Toiv sat down with boys, they sat down to discuss various things, and he said, Listen, now I want to bring up this idea of getting married because she's a closer relative to you, right? Our relative, Eli Melech, as we know, passed away, and we want to uh, bring, give the field, and we want to get married, do the whole thing. I have to ask you first because you are obviously a closer relative, and he said, Listen, now I'm not getting married, she comes from Moyev, and I'm not allowed, even though the lock is actually, you are allowed, but he didn't know that, and number two, I'm married already, so therefore there's no reason that I want to marry somebody else, and no, I don't want to do it, therefore Boyev said, okay, I'm going to now do it myself, and he came, came along, and that is exactly what happened, he did marry, they did the mitzvah over there, and um, after the, everything was settled as well, Boyev took ten people, members of the Sanhedrin itself, and he requested they should be uh, aiders to the Kenyan of the, not only the field, but also of the marriage as well that they wanted to do, um, to make everyone know that you are allowed to marry someone that comes from Moev. And everyone said, yes, they did it. And they had the, um, all the Zakanim did the Birchas Nasum over there. And they did a tremendous thing. And obviously, as we know, he married her with her, with Mamish Rusta Isha Shaya the boys, the Giborchai is that what the beginner tells us. And even though the marriage actually didn't actually last that long, uh, because Boyez pretty much passed away straight afterwards, and it seemed that Rus would never be able to have children, but the Rabbinish Lonim created a Mitsias that she did, and nine months later exactly she bore a son, and that son, as we know was called, uh, which actually Normi and Bruss decided together to call the child Oved, which eventually Oved grew up and became the father of Yishai, and Yishai became the father of Dovid Melech, which is absolutely incredible, and that's, you know, pretty much a good summary of what the Rus is all about, but, uh, you know, we have to discuss obviously more about why we do Rus and Shvuas, but just the lessons and the Siyata Deshmaya and the Ashkocha Protis and the Betochen and Hashem is so incredibly ingrained in Rus, it's absolutely unbelievable, and uh, I think it's a tremendous lesson, but Hashem will have to discuss why we do Rus on Shvuas, Be'ez Hashem.